I understand that some of my students are, well, older students. And if you are an older student, perhaps you might think back to your school days sometimes, to those friends that we had when we were at school, but, well, we've never seen them since. Sometimes we have those reunions, don't we? And we all go back and see each other again, maybe 20 years after leaving school. This is a story about a reunion or a meeting between two people who hadn't seen each other for many, many years. In fact, I'm going to start the story with something completely different. I'm going to bring out useful language for traveling when you're in an aeroplane. But then the story goes on and it talks about that reunion and what happened. This is part one of a story, a B1 story for those preparing B1 or that sort of level. And here we go. Hello and welcome to Practicing English. My name is Mike Bilber, and these are podcasts for students of English at B1 or B2 levels. For transcripts, please go to practicingenglish.com. So, as I said, the language I'm going to bring out is about traveling on a plane. Sometimes you might be in a plane and you'll hear over the loudspeaker system or the public address system, the captain speaking to you, telling you things about how high the plane is flying, what is the estimated time of arrival, or what time does the captain think you will arrive at the airport you're going to. Here is something said over the loudspeaker system by the captain when there are problems. And the language, which is B1 language, which is used, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, due to, which is B1, due to technical problems. Technical is in fact a B2 word. Okay, we're cheating a little. Due to technical problems we are experiencing on board, so on board, B1, it means to be on a plane or on a boat or ship. Our Paris to Bristol flight today, the captain has decided to make a short stop on the island of Alderney for a few repairs. So repairs is a B1 word meaning to fix something, repair something which has broken. We apologize for the delay. Apologize is a B1 word, which means to say sorry. And believe our short stay on Alderney will be around just three hours. Meanwhile, meanwhile, which means during that time, 
we invite passengers to disembark. Now, to disembark is a formal word meaning to leave the plane, to disembark, and take some refreshments at Alderney Airport. So that happens sometimes if there is a delay on a plane before you take off, or if you have to stop at a, an airport, they might actually give you a voucher, and a voucher is a piece of paper, and with that you can go to the cafeteria and buy yourself something to eat and drink. The cabin crew, so the cabin crew are the people working on the plane, will now come and hand out, to give, vouchers you may use to pay for light snacks at the airport. So the story starts like that, and then there are other words which are to do with flying, which are to land, so to take off is when the plane leaves the airport, and to land is when it arrives at the airport. And then also we talk about the airport terminal, which is in fact a B2 word, but it's quite easy to understand. It's the place where the planes arrive at the airport, the terminal. Okay, that's enough of the language. Listen out for that. This is a B1 story. Three hours between flights. Based on a story by F. Scott Fitzgerald. This story is copyright. Ladies and gentlemen, due to technical problems we are experiencing on board our Paris to Bristol flight today, the captain has decided to make a short stop on the island of Alderney for a few repairs. We apologize for the delay this may create and believe our short stay on Alderney will be around just three hours. Meanwhile, we invite passengers to disembark and take some refreshments at Alderney Airport. The cabin crew will now come and hand out vouchers you may use to pay for light snacks at the airport. The passengers on the Air France Flight 1960 all started talking nervously at the same time. However, Stephen Burnett looked out of the tiny aeroplane window and began to wonder. Alderney, that name again, after all these years. Jane Dupont, the name of a girl just twelve years old. No, not pronounced in the French way, but said Dupont which was the local Alderney pronunciation. Stephen was nearly 35 years old now, so Jane must be the same age too. They went to school with each other. He remembered her hair, so black that it sometimes looked even a little dark blue or purple. Her eyes, a bright blue like the sky at midday on a gorgeous, clear summer's day. The plane began to circle 
as it leaned to one side, Stephen could clearly see the whole island, as there were no clouds. Alderney was just five kilometres long and two and a half kilometres wide. France wasn't far away, just 15 kilometres to the east. Stephen still remembered all these details, despite never having been there. Jane often told him about Alderney at school. She used to tell him how she wanted to go back there and live on that lonely island in the English Channel where she was born. It was this sort of surprising comment that had made her such an unforgettable person for Stephen. The plane landed at the airport without any further problems. The passengers got off the plane, complaining among themselves about how nobody had been given a good explanation about what the few technical problems actually were. However, with their food vouchers in their hands, they walked in little groups to the airport terminal, standing quiet and peaceful in the warm afternoon sunshine. Once inside the terminal, instead of going to the cafeteria, Stephen went straight to a public telephone box and took out the Yellow Pages telephone book. Alderney only had a population of about 2,000, so if Jane was still living on the island, she shouldn't be too hard to find. The name of her parents' house had stayed in his memory, even after 18 years since they had last spoken. Blue Gables. He found the number quite easily, dialed and waited. The heavy plastic phone smelling of old tobacco smoke. Her mother answered, Yes, Jane still lived on the island, but she had now married and her surname was now Dankworth. But her mother wouldn't tell Stephen where Jane lived. Dankworth. Not a common name, thought Stephen. And yes, there was just one entry under that name in the yellow pages. He dialed again. A woman's voice answered almost immediately. St. Anne... Five seven nine seven one two. The voice sounded rather weak, sleepy even. Jane, asked Stephen. Jane Depot. Yes. Who is this? It's Stephen. Stephen Burnett. Um, Stephen. She repeated. She obviously hadn't recognised the name. From Sirencester School in Gloucestershire. We went to school together. Stephen! Jane suddenly sounded more awake. Hello? Jane, I'm at Alderney Airport. Some technical problems with my flight. I've got a few hours. I thought we could meet up. Go out for a coffee or something. And then he added, If your husband doesn't mind. Why should my husband mind? Stephen realised that he'd said the wrong thing. 
but Jane didn't give him time to explain himself. My husband isn't here anyway. He's away for a few days. Her voice sounded sleepy again, perhaps sad, and thoughts began to go through Stephen's mind. Why don't you come over? Jane suggested. I'm warning you, I've had a few cocktails. Come and visit, and I'll make you one. <laughs> When she laughed, Stephen recognized it. A silly, sweet laugh, just like the way she used to laugh at school when she was twelve years old. Do you know my address? Yes, said Stephen. It's here in the phone book. See you in a bit then, she said, and hung up. There was just one taxi in front of the terminal. The taxi driver was looking annoyed that none of the passengers from the unexpected plane. That had just landed were actually going to leave the terminal, so his face suddenly looked brighter when he saw Stephen approaching. Where would you like to go to, sir? A house called Blue Gables. It's in Saint Anne. It's in. Yeah, I know it, sir. Of course he did. On such a small island like Alderney, everybody knew everybody else. A few minutes later, Stephen was ringing the doorbell. He looked around as he waited. An attractive cottage with a blue roof and a large garden, full of bright, colourful flowers, with a fish pond in the middle. The sort of garden that Jane would have. Stephen thought to himself. As the door opened, Stephen held his breath. Jane was wearing jeans and a sweatshirt, with the name of some university on it. Her hair, still very black, was pushed up on the top of her head, with a few bits hanging down. Her bright blue eyes met Stephen's, and her smile took the breath from his mouth. In her right hand, she held a glass of some light. Green and yellow liquid with a straw in it. Stephen noticed that she was studying him in the same way. Well, 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 Stephen. After all these years, she said. Lovely to see you, Jane," said Stephen, trying to sound as formal as he could. He suddenly wasn't sure what to do next. The events of the day, the Paris to Bristol flight, technical problems with the plane, the unexpected temporary stop on one of the smallest islands in the British Channel, where by chance one of the most special people in Stephen's life lived. What else could he do but contact her? He had had no choice really, but now what? Why don't you come in? Jane said, with the same bright voice. Perhaps you'd like a drink. Stephen was rather surprised to find that Jane's living room was quite messy. There were clothes here and there on the floor. The kitchen door was open, and it seemed the washing up hadn't been done for ages. She had to move piles of papers off the sofa so Stephen could sit down. I've been studying," 
she said hurriedly, like an apology. What do you do? I'm a doctor. Heart disease, that sort of thing. I've just come from a conference in Paris. Uh, I'm flying back to Bristol. Really? said Jane. I remember you used to say you wanted to work for your dad. For a moment, Stephen wondered what she meant by that. His father was a writer, but they had been just children, and children say all sorts of things. Would you like a drink? I could make you a cocktail. And she smiled again and pushed back some hair that had fallen in front of her face. No, please don't bother. A glass of water would be fine. Alcohol bad for the heart, right? She joked and turned to go into the kitchen before Stephen could answer. She came back with a glass of water and two biscuits on a plate and sat down next to Stephen on the sofa. Stephen felt how close she was to him, her leg almost touching his. So, are you married? she asked, with her bright voice again, as though the question was of little importance. And that's the end of part one of the story Three Hours Before Flights. Come back next week to hear part two. Goodbye for now. Thank you.